You are correct, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I just okay. picture Jeffrey holding cards to his head and saying, "That's right." <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> Okay, hey, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's Tuesday. Yeah. It's Tuesday. And we're back in the saddle. We haven't done this in so long. Back in the saddle again. It's a good song. Yeah, uh, it is a good song. And it is on Taking Pictures. It's a good show. And, uh, it is a good show. It's one of those, one of those good shows. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com. Really the only inspirational photo site you need to know agreed really uh and and with me the jet lagged bill wadman i'm a little jet lagged i don't do well with the jet lag hey do you do you have your own wine like wine is in drinking wine uh-huh uh-huh uh, no i do not who has uh, your own wine? a friend of the show patrick shipstad sent yeah. me a photo of a wine uh called fancy pants and he asked <laughs> if, if bill has his own wine <laughs> that's funny yeah, isn't that great? Wise guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's expensive and surprisingly bitter. Oh. <laughs> Man, you're in rare form today. Yeah, well, coffee. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of coffee in Seattle, but we'll get to that. You want, you want to talk about last week's assignment? Last week's assignment, uh, some really great stuff. A, a lot of first-time posters from from uh from the uh, the Google Plus group. I like that. Uh, yeah, I do too. Um so last last week's assignment was speed. And it was interesting to see how people interpreted that. Um some went with with kind of a literal interpretation, which is great. No problem with that. Some little little more esoteric. Uh but all really really great work. Really great work. Um I actually like yours. The, the, uh, the snail? Yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> iPhone. Uh, some of my favorites, uh, uh, Kirsten Lamond, the, the shot of what I'm assuming is, is her son. Okay. Oh, uh, laying, is that the girl laying on the couch? Laying on the sofa, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Freddie put up one of, of like a, a, a cab and a bike. Oh, yeah, that's a nice one. It's really, really nice. Yep. Um, and although it wasn't related to the assignment, somebody put up a really cool portrait that I, that I, I liked, uh, Ben Wright. Did you see that one? Uh, I don't know that I have, but I will. Yeah. Uh, which maybe, is that your daughter, Ben? I don't know, but very cute. Um, okay. I'm, I'm telling you, your, your photo bill of Waller, he's got that characteristic of Jay Maisel. I'm telling you. Wait, wait, oh, Waller has Jay Maisel. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I can see that. You know, uh, he, uh, nice guy. Seems like it. Yeah. Oh, wait, do you, uh, you, you want to get to get to that in a minute? Let's finish the, the assignment okay. thing. All right. Uh, so yeah, a lot of great stuff up there. Uh, I, I, some film shooters in the group, which is kind of cool to see. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. The <laughs> film. Shooting the film. Yeah. Uh, so this week, this week. Uh, we're going to go with leading lines. Okay. Interesting. Leading lines? Uh, yeah. I tend to take those pictures all the time. Leading lines? Yeah. 
You you like drawing the eye around the around the frame, do you? Uh yeah, I, I find it satisfying. All right. So, uh, leading lines. If you're if you're uh, if you're confused uh, about what that means, if if uh, you don't know what leading lines are, uh, go look it up. Like like my parents used to tell me, you don't know, go look it up. <laughs> they even told me like if I didn't know how to spell something, they would say, well, go look it up. That always drove me crazy. How am I supposed to look it up if I don't know how to spell it? Right. So I, I spent a lot of time looking at dictionaries when I was a kid. Now I just use Google and I type it in the way I think it should be spelled. And it goes, did you mean? And I go, yes, thank you. <laughs> That's, exactly That's exactly what I meant. What I meant. Thanks, and I, there's, there's no way I would have ever guessed that it was spelled that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at spelling. So that just sort of, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, good so t- you, you just got back from uh, from the thing, from the, the, the Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. It's nice out there. Yeah. Uh, it rained the first six days that I was there. What a shock. Um, but uh, very, very nice. And, you know, um, we, we, we were out on the peninsula. You assume that it rained because you, you were spending most of the time in the hotel room. Well, no, I'm getting to that. So <laughs> so we went out there. And I'll tell you, you know, we drove. <laughs> we landed and we drove that night down to uh, this town halfway down Washington. And then the next morning we got up and drove to Mount St. Helens because I had seen it before like 10, 15 years ago and, and Conrad never had. And and we had watched a bunch of documentaries recently and we were all excited to go down there and we drove 150 miles, you know, up into the woods and we get 10 miles from the, uh, from the end of the road and the road is closed. To wait, to go, to go the full way. Yeah. You can't, can't get to the thing that overlooks Mount St. Helens. The best you can get was 10 miles away. Uh. And I was like, we just drove 150 miles for nothing. Cause you couldn't even see the mountain. Cause it was like enclosed in fog. So no, basically we drove 150 miles for nothing. Uh, and then we drove 150 miles up to Olympic peninsula and, uh, we, we, we stayed up there we went into the, we went up to hurricane Ridge in the park. We went out to Crescent Lake Lake Crescent and we drove around and, you know, did that kind of stuff. And then eventually we came into town and we stayed up by, um, the Boeing, uh, factory. Okay. Cause Boeing's up there. So you can go on tours of the Boeing factory, which is amazing. Cause you stand on like these, uh, 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 platforms overlooking them building 747s and 777s and Dreamliners. And it's really cool. Like there's just people working down below you building airplanes that have 4 million parts, you know? Um, <clears throat> So that was super fun, and we went to this. Paul Allen runs a uh, a, a historical uh, airplane museum that has all airplanes from World War II, World War One, all completely restored. Wow! Uh, and they're beautiful, and almost all of them they f- still fly every summer. Oh wow! They pull them out and they like fly them around, um, except for a handful. One of which is the only surviving plane of its type in the world. You know, there's stuff like that. <clears throat> It was amazing. Neat. Uh, and then uh, I went and I shot somebody off my wish list, which is author Greg Bear, who is a, a, a sci-fi writer. I am very familiar with him. And uh, we went to we went to meet Greg and 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 we we shot his picture. And I the the reason I bring it up is that uh, what's really cool about it is I said to him, I said, "Are you the kind of guy?" Because you hear these stories about writers who I get up at this time and I write for X amount of time. You know, that whole sort of sure, very sure. strict. Um, I said, do you know, do you get up a specific time and just and write? And he said, I do get up a specific time. He goes, but I usually don't start writing till the afternoon. And I spend the morning worrying about whether or not I'll be able to write in the afternoon. 
Sure. Makes so, sense. So this is a guy, though, who's got 20 books out, 30 books out. You know, Nebula Award winner, blah, 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 blah. And he still questions it every single day, mm-hmm. which, I, which always just makes you feel better. You know, when you meet people yeah. who are just like, oh, yeah, it's hard for me, too. <laughs> you know, um, so we, we come to town and I went and had uh, dinner uh, with a bunch of people, with Mark and uh, Jason and uh, and Bailward. So Bailward came down from Vancouver. Jason came up from Oregon. And Walter came from like 10 miles away. Okay. But he was doing it on his walker. So, uh, so you know, because, you know, he's older than you are. Wow. Yeah. I know, right? Wow. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, we had a great dinner. And uh, Mark Groves came down. He was a, a Microsoft guy that that I, I met online and who who came down and said hi. So we had a good time. You know, it's fun meeting these people like you got to meet in. in uh... It is uh, fantastic. Yeah. It really is. There 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 is. And and you know, I, I'm so amazed that that we get to do this. Yeah. I mean, this first of all, but then but then going and meeting people and finding out that. Other people have met other people and, and, you know, they're talking offline and they're hanging out. Yeah. They were all friends. Yeah. That's, it's really, it's good. Yeah. It was really great. And I walked around with Alan Bailward. Can you imagine that? No. It's amazing. It's it's insane. (laughs) I walked around with him for like a good hour and a half. (laughs) The Alan Bailward. The. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. So anyway. Yeah. So, so, but most of the time I spent in Seattle, the problem was that Conrad had her conference. So I was walking around on my own and I did a lot of walking around. I like walked the city from end to end within the walking distances. Um, the problem is I couldn't go in or do anything because I had to wait for Conrad to finish her conference because she wanted to do all those things too. So I could go like look, literally look through the window at the candy, you know, behind the behind the window. But you I could have done some in. street portraits. You 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 could have found some subjects. Oh, Mr. I walked around and took pictures. Ugh. Um, but uh, you know, you know, here's the thing though. I also wanted this trip to be a relaxing one. You know, so I would walk around for four hours, and then I'd go get some lunch, and then I'd go back to the hotel and take a nap for an hour, and then I'd get up and I'd go out. Um, it was fun, you know. All right. Seattle's a nice town. I don't I wouldn't personally live there, but it's you know, I wouldn't choose to live there, but it's a nice town. I've I've been there once. Yeah. A lot, uh, of, a lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I only stayed like for a day. And I, I got to hang out with John Cornicello who uh Cornicello, who is uh uh he's always on Creative Live as like one of the people sitting around like when they're doing <laughs> he just happens to be there. No, well he he works for them and stuff and so he's always like one of the guys who's like assisting whoever the person right. in is. And uh he and he works for Adobe up until yes, yeah, so whatever. He's been working for them for like 15 years or something. All right. And uh and uh and, and you know I said, "Hey, what's what's going on in Seattle?" and he wrote me. He's like, "Hey, let's hang out." So he came and picked me up at the hotel and we drove around and I went by creative live and like looked in the studios and stuff. And, and, uh, he took me, we went to his house and he showed me his setup and I took a couple portraits of him. And it's just, again, meeting people in real life that you knew known online for so long is, I don't know. It's good stuff. And he, did you, did you say hi to chase? Uh, he wasn't there, but, uh, he also told me that there are no pro labs that do same day C41 or E6 in Seattle anymore. Really? Yeah. They Apparently, all send it out. Everybody no, sends they, it out. They do it, but they do it in batches where like on Tuesday oh, okay. they do the C41 okay. and on whatever they do whatever. 
Uh, and I don't, I don't know if that that's... Is, that is so weird to... I mean, having grown up with film, and, and uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't have this experience, but you used to be able to get one-hour film everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, there were one-hour labs literally... I mean, just in, in the town where I grew up, there were probably 10. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a different world, you know? It's very strange to me. Do you remember Photomat? Did they have those out there? Sure. The little the, huts. The, the little hut. You drive up, drop yeah. off your film, and an hour later, pick it up? Yeah. My father used to own a one-hour photo. Oof. Wow. It, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a whole other world, you know? And in fact, I was, in, I was at a CVS or a Walgreens out there, and, uh, and we were just buying some, you know, random things that we needed at the pharmacy. And I was, and while uh, Conrad was in line, I said, oh, "Hold on, a second. I just want to go look at the electronics." I just, I'm always interested in what, like these mainstream pharmacies have in their electronics sections, as far as cables and doodads and stuff, just for like memory sake of, right, right. You know, if I ever need one of those, like, will I be able to find one there? And uh, I go over there, and and as I'm there, this like older woman with no teeth. Uh, walks by me and goes over to this young kid and asks him for some specific kind of film. And the kid goes over and pulls off the one three pack of 35 millimeter film that they sell, mm. which is like some, you know, cheap Fuji stuff or whatever it was, you know, some right, like right. consumer Fuji stuff. And that's, he's like, Oh, this is all we carry is this one pack of, and I think it was like the last pack too. <laughs> Like this may have been like the last pack of film in Walgreens across the country or something. Um, It's so so strange. It's, it's a whole other world. Well, I I think I mentioned to you uh, on maybe even on one of the shows that Walt is it? Well, no, it's CVS, CVS. They, if you have film process there, you don't get your negatives back. Yeah. They just, they give you a CD, but they don't give you your negatives back. And you're like, well, then what am I shooting film for? Well, I think the average person would. Yeah. Well, the problem is the average person just takes their negatives and throws them in a box, you know, or throws them out. You know, right. the average person doesn't know, you know, they just want the pictures. Negatives are, are, are an incidental middleman to the pictures. Not, right. you know, the final thing. I so, agree. It's uh, crazy. Anyway. So this all comes around to the fact that I was sitting in the room one night waiting for Conrad to come home from a dinner thing. And I uh, was watching some documentaries on Netflix and I watched two, I watched two documentaries. Uh, One, which is Ricky Jay, who we have talked about before the magician guy. Right. Right. Uh, Except this documentary, which one I hadn't seen uh, called deceptive practice. And it's about him talking about his mentors and the people who were heroes to him and what he learned from each one. Mm hmm. And, and he talks about how when he, if he's really upset about something, all he has to do is sit down with a pack of cards for a couple hours, <laughs> just right. playing with cards for a couple hours, right. you know? just like shuffling and flipping and doing whatever, you know, moves that so people it's like almost, him do. It, it's almost a meditation for him. Yeah. In fact, they show him doing it and it looks like meditation. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a. It's a thing, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 almost like counting the rosary. Like that's what mm-hmm, it looked like him mm-hmm. doing, you know. So I watched that, which is a great thing to watch if you get the chance to see it. Um, you're gonna say something? No, go ahead. Okay. And the other one was this uh, Netflix movie uh, about the pianist Glenn Gould, mm-hmm. who is was totally crazy, right? Hypochondriac. Was it, was it this uh, kind of loosely the Shine 
film wasn't uh, it loosely based on him? You know, good question. I don't know. I I never actually watched Shine. That's Jeffrey Rush, right? Correct. Yeah, I hear it's excellent. I haven't gotten around to watching it. Uh, yeah, Glenn Gould is like this concert is Canadian pianist who's oh no, okay, this guy's a Canadian pianist who's a little crazy. And he plays Goldberg variations as his first recording for Columbia. It was a big deal. But anyway, it's all this footage of him, them interviews with him and, and, and them talking to friends of his about like how obsessive he was. And he would sit there for hours and hours and hours at the piano and talking. And it got me thinking that both of these guys, one of the things they have are these obsessive tendencies towards what they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everything else goes out the window. This is the only thing that matters. Um, and I just I found that fascinating, and I wonder if there are really people who feel the same way about, say, photography, who literally can't stop taking pictures. You know, I'm sure there are. Right, and 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 you know, you 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 see and and hear in discussion or read rather in discussion groups about people taking thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures on X trip. Yeah. Because they're just photographing everything. Right. I was there for, what, 10 days in Seattle, including the pictures I took of portraits I took of people. I took 410 pictures. Mm. You know, I, I just, you know, it's like I don't I don't take pictures of everything somewhat somewhat because when I come home, I know that I don't need if I'll, I'll look at it and I'll pull my camera up and be like, I don't need a picture of that or that's mm-hmm. not going to be a good picture. So why am I spending the time doing it? You know? Um, but I just, I, I find it fascinating. And I also find it interesting that these guys are practicing, practicing, practicing for an eventual performance. See what I'm saying? Yes. And I wonder how that pertains to photography is sitting and taking pictures or taking pictures of a subject or going out and finally, uh, doing, uh, you know, going up to Yosemite after being somewhere else for a long time. You know what I mean? Like your dream is to go up to Yosemite and shoot or whatever is taking pictures, a performance in the same way. I, I think it's the, the practice portion. We can make a connection there. Um, but I don't, I mean, but you don't see, you don't see that as rehearsal or of any kind. I, I do. I do see it as rehearsal. I just don't know if there's ever a performance. I think with photography, it's a lifetime of rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. there, there is, is there a, is there a performance that you can mark on a calendar? Yeah. Well, and, and there, there you can really say isn't. that every time Joe, Schm- every time I go shoot somebody for work or whatever it is, that I am performing in some way. I'm just making. I'm just making an abstract. Or are you rehearsing? Are you yeah. are you refining? Are you making it better? Are you? Well, in that case, is Glenn Gould when he gets up on stage just rehearsing? But he's just rehearsing in front of two thousand people. Maybe. Yeah. And is there a, you know is there a difference between practicing and performing? Hmm. See what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. And it's a, it's, it's a, it's a tough question because you have to define the nature of a performance. You know, you you know, in Olympic stuff where, uh, they say that, you know, people, uh, people say in say the high jump or or the long jump, no one breaks records during practice. You ever hear that? I've never heard that, but don't (laughs) they? Well, the idea is that it's that extra, well, maybe, but it's, well, first of all, it's not official, but B, um, 
that that part of it is that the adrenaline of being there in the moment when you have to perform gives you that extra three percent or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know that that you 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 don't jump the distance you're going to jump a competition when it's just you and your coach because you just you don't have that pressure on you. You know, mm. and I wonder if 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 there's a clutch moment in photography too. You know, where where you take better stuff when you're under pressure. Maybe. Um, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I know that, I mean, I know some photographers who are horrible when they feel like, under pressure. you know, they're under pressure, that, that, that their set or, or their session is a place of solace. It is a place of going back to, to Ricky J. It's, it's a place of meditation. Yeah. You know, they, they have, it's, it's controlled. It's, it's set up the way they want it. Yeah. And if they get outside of that, then the process begins to fall apart. The, 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 the focus begins to fall apart. They get frazzled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting. You know, it's interesting at Ricky J. He was saying that his father was like an accountant or something and uh, used to was interested in all kinds of things and would go and take lessons from whoever was the best. So if he wanted to learn checkers, he would go to the guy who wrote the book about checkers and take lessons from that guy. You know mm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he was into magic. His or it was his uncle, I think. And he was into magic for a while, and so he, he used to take lessons from all these great magicians. And when Ricky was a little kid, he got introduced to all these great magicians and became friends with them when he was a little kid. You know, like in this sort mm. of indoctrination way, kind of, you know, right, right, right. So that he like knew these guys and, and, and then he traveled to L.A. to go find these two old, old guys who like, you know, had never, you know, were, were just sort of like lost to time. You know what I mean? Like right. these magicians and, and the grandfather, uh, I think he had, it was a grandfather. That's what it was. And his grandfather, who was the accountant, said, you know, uh, Ricky, I, I do these people's taxes. He goes, they don't make any money, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like the best of the best of the best of the sleight of hand magicians or whatever it is. Like, he's like, well, isn't there something, I mean, we've talked about this before. Isn't there something to be said about that idea of, of apprenticeship or mentorship or, or looking for your heroes yeah. and trying to, to meet and, and glean something yeah. from them? If if you, you know? could find who your heroes are, absolutely. And I also, uh, but I wonder if it is that, is that or is that not different? Like you hear stories about people assisting all the big people that we talk about, right? Um, all the modern big people, all the Annie Seliger people, right? And I know people who have assisted these guys and have like nightmare stories about it. I think it really depends on the person. You know, I mean, we, we, uh, I posted something, uh, on, on faded and blurred, a, a listener of the show, Jonathan DeBeer, mm-hmm. uh, happened to see this, this feature that we did on, um, uh, Stefan van Flatteren, a Belgian photographer. Yep. And he wrote me and said, Hey, you know, I saw your feature. This guy's one of my heroes. I actually got a chance to sit down with him. And, you know, would you like to look at the, the interview and I've translated it and, you know, would you mind sharing it? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so, you know, here's a guy who, who got to sit down with, with uh, somebody who's been a hero to him and it did not disappoint. 
Right. You know, he he says in even in the, in the piece, he says they say you should never meet your heroes in for for real life because they may fall short of your expectations. Obviously, they never met Stefan Van Flatteren. <laughs> so, the, I mean, here's a situation where this guy got to sit down. He drove a couple hours to meet him, and he and he was expecting it to be just this short sort of meet and greet, and. Van Flitteren gave him a bunch of time and answered questions and, and, you know, it was this sort of magical experience for him. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I would, I would say, you know, how much fuel or I would ask rather, how much fuel did that interview provide him? You know, how much inspirational fuel did that provide? And, And when it works like that, when you can meet, you know, people that inspire you, People that move you, people that that you know produce work that that you are humbled by. There's something to that. Oh, absolutely. You know? I mean, I, even even spending five minutes with with uh, with Gregory Crudson at, at Paris Photo last year, you know, there was some thing around him. There was something just being able to ask a couple of questions about how he approaches his work was incredibly inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it, I even felt that way just hanging out with Greg Bear, talking to yeah. him about his stuff, you know, yeah. uh, and photographers that I've met that I've hung out with the same way, you know, I, eating Italian soup with Tony Vaccaro in some little place in Long Island city, like, you know, right. Um, and him telling me stories about Charlie Chaplin, you know, <laughs> you get, you get something out of those personal things that you don't normally get. Right. Yes. And absolutely. Uh, and now, know, is, is it going to go well always? No, no, of course not. Yeah. Well, you know, you know? Uh, friend of the show, Randy Duchesne has assisted for all kinds of famous people when he was young. Uh, yes. And, and has fantastic stories to tell about almost all of them. You know, yeah. In he one way a, or another. He had a great story about Elliot Erwitt. Right. It was but, but fantastic. You, don't you got to wonder, it's, I hate to say this cause it sounds like, this sounds like an old man thing. <laughs> That's never stopped you before. <laughs> I, I did people have more class? What do you mean? Like, like when you hear these stories, like say Randy tells right about some guy, and you hear you know you hear him talking, and you'd be like, man, that guy sounds cool. You know what I mean? The like, guy that he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't generally feel that way about most of the people I hear who talk about a lot of photographers now. So you know, what are you, are you like, asking? Have more, we, more, have we lost social grace as time has gone on or something? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Maybe. like a, sort of a distinguished kind of thing. You know, it's the, it's the old thing about, you know, no one wears a jacket and tie anymore kind of, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. But sort of the, the, the intersocial version of that. Um, look, pe- people have always been jerks and people have always been nice guys. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's always a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if there isn't some some sort of decorum is maybe has gotten lost and and something to bring back and maybe even some sort of separation between you know you know the whole talk about uh, how a lot of parents treat their kids as friends and that whole thing and then there's some people who say no your job is to be a parent not to be a friend sure or, you know sure um, and I I tend to lean towards the everyone should treat each other as equals kind of thing. But sometimes I wonder if that sort of separation between things actually like that roles do have some sort of place. I think they do. I don't think you have to treat each other. In, in, are you talking about a parent child relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As 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 a as a proxy for what we're talking about. Yeah, sure. I, my parents, neither one of them treated me as equals, but they treated me as a person. And you think that's a bad thing? 
No, I think that's a great. Oh, thing. okay. <laughs> I think it's no. I think you were it's just a great like, thing. and I hated it. <laughs> no, it, uh, they treated me like I like an individual, um, but I wasn't an equal, and I don't think I should have been. I think there does need to be, at least until a certain point, that hierarchy. You know okay. that 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 I I am here and you are here, and I think it works that way in this sort of mentor. Uh, relationships or apprenticeship relationships. I mean, if, if, if you go into, uh, you know, an apprenticeship with, with Dan Winters. Right. And, and there's no separation. Then I think, I think something is going to be lost in how you see him and how you see his work and maybe even how he sees you. Interesting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think there, there does need to be that sort of, um, respect paid to not necessarily your elders, but yeah, your elders or your yeah. teachers or, or your parents or. But, but I think it needs to be earned, right? Is, mm. is there, you know, here's the thing is that the, the flip side of that, which I always had a problem with was the idea that just because you're older and have more experience, you actually know better than I or your, you know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily true. No, it's not. It's not. Um, or you think they should have the benefit of the doubt or something? I don't know. I mean, using this example of, of Dan Winters, I don't, I don't know Dan. Right. But I, I, I'm not, and I'm not going to demand. Seems like a real jerk to me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to go in demanding that he earn my respect. I'm going to respect him off the bat. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But you already know Dan Winters. I don't know him. Well, I, yeah, but you know of him, you know his work, you've read, listened to interviews with him. Mm-hmm. You know Dan Winters better than you know, you know, the guy you bump into at the donut store today who yells at you about being a young and, you know what I mean? Or whatever, sure, you know. Sure. Crazy kids nowadays. Right, you know, that right, 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 right. It's like, well, what um, the heck are you? I don't know. I, I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt until, until I don't have to or until some, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm nice to everybody I, until they're not nice to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, why not start being nice? Yeah. Why not start there? I, why not start showing respect? I wish and, there were more people in the world who agreed with that, though. Yeah. Well. There's a lot of jerks in the world. You know that? So we're, we're, we're digressing here. I know. Uh, we're getting there. Uh, so I don't know. So photography is a performance. I don't know. Maybe we got to ask the question to the people. Ask the listeners. What do you guys think? I, don't, I really don't know where I come down on that one. I, you know, there, we've, we've got this, this thing in the show notes about, uh, a photographer. It's in fact, it's, it's talking about this photography as a performance. Um, Jamie Warren. Okay. And I don't know where I come down on this. It's, it's, it's almost photography as performance art. And, and I'm just not sure that I, that I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't like the title of this article. Yeah, well, the title is "Meet the Photographer Who Will Save Us from Art World Snobbery." And then I look at the pictures and I go, "Wow, that couldn't be more Art World Snobbery to me." <laughs> yeah, it. The subject matter is kind of. Yeah, it kind. Of, I don't. I don't. I, maybe I just don't understand it. Um, I mean, I think the idea of doing these funky recreations of altarpieces is actually, you know, kind of silly and funny. But I don't think that it's high art. 
you know? No, and there are a lot of people in the art world that are going to take this way more seriously than it maybe needs to be taken. <clears throat> right, yeah, yeah. You know, um, was just she was just uh, awarded a, a bomb award, which is a $10,000 cash prize and a, and a, a three-month show in San Francisco. Well, you can't, you know. Which I, I just... You can't account for taste, Jeffrey. <laughs> I'm just not sure that, you know, again, that this propels the art forward, that this propels the craft forward. Uh, yeah, but you know what? Uh, not to, uh, to, to, play, to play the devil's advocate, which I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, you know, the same people said the same thing of... People said the same thing of Eggleston, you know. Maybe. So maybe 30 years from now, this will be the thing that changes people's worlds, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't know, be I, surprised to see this hanging in a gallery. And that bothers me that, that I would, <laughs> that I would walk in and go, Oh yeah, of course this is in a gallery. Yeah. But you, your, your aesthetic and my aesthetic has always been much more classically focused. In the sense that I, I look at these pictures and, and regardless of the subject matter and the ideas behind them, I look at them and say, wow, these are poorly lit and and technically not good photographs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I there's there's a certain amount of me that that box at that right there. You know what I mean? I, it, this this kind of stuff just makes me feel like I'm so far out of the loop. If yeah. this is if this is what's considered cutting edge photography or important yeah. photography right. when you dressing up and doing a self portrait of yourself as an outback blooming onion. Right. That's, yeah. that's important photography. Thank God help us all. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if this is what, you know, a self portrait as a cookie, <laughs> if that's important enough to give you a three month gig and 10 grand. Right. I don't understand it. Yeah. I agree. I completely agree. But again, I think that you and I, that maybe there's people who, you know, obviously there are people who love this stuff or my other theory, which is the people who are making the decisions have no idea what they're thinking and they just want something different. And this is different so that they're like, oh, that's different. That means it must be the new thing and important, you know, but forgetting about all of the, I agree with you. I'm just trying to be, you know, just trying to be egalitarian. And, and, and there will, there will be people who will argue that this is important and try and explain why it's important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't buy it. I don't, I don't either. Anyway, go uh, check it out. It's in the show notes. Hey, uh, what I, else you got? I've been watching, I've been watching, I was watching a lot of David Foster Wallace, uh, um, what's it called yesterday? Interviews mm -hmm. and him talking and blah, 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 blah. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, author, uh, some say the most important, author of our generation killed yeah. himself what three four years ago uh i think 2008 2008 2009 okay, so six years ago hung himself yeah um, battled depression his entire life yeah wrote infinite jest in 94 93 supposedly like you know the greatest book of the decade uh i i have not read the book i don't read stuff like that it's a little too dense for me um, i started it and i just what well, it was it, it was not good or was it just too too dense it just it just I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, again, it's one of those things. It's like, 
everybody else said it was really important and you have to read it and it's really important and you have to read it. And by the way, have I mentioned it's really important and you have to read it? <laughs> so then I started reading it and it just didn't, it seemed like, you know. Were you reading it because it was really important? I was reading it because it was really important. <laughs> it, it seemed like it was trying too hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I I watched a lot of things of him talking, and it was really interesting. And he was on Charlie Rose, and I'll, I'll put that interview in the show. Actually, I already did. I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, a couple of the interesting the interesting things he said, like uh, he was all self conscious, you know. And Charlie, he's just like, no, I don't want to answer it that way. And Charlie Rose is like, no, 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 go ahead. And he's just like, no. He goes, you know, being under these lights on this stage, being interviewed by you. Uh, you know, suddenly makes pretty much anybody self-conscious about their image and how they're seen, you know, just because of the way he was talking. Right. And, but one of the things he said was he asked him about his writing process and stuff. And he says, when, when, um, when I'm not writing, I don't, uh, it's not because I'm worrying about writing when I'm not writing. I worry about not writing. So that makes it's a sort of a flip flop of the normal thing, you know? Yeah. He's not worrying about getting it done. He's worrying about, I'm not getting it done. Right. Which I thought was just such an interesting meta thing, sort of don't, a. Don't you do that when you when you're absolutely? And I was just I was trying to pick it apart, and I just thought it would be an interesting thing to discuss. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, you talked about that where you don't worry about the pictures that you're having to take or wanting to take or needing to take. You worry about the fact that you're not taking these pictures. Yeah, what's that all about? I just. Alfie. I, <laughs> <laughs> what's it all about, Alfie? <laughs> um, my name is Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was pretty good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you should put that down on your list of, of impressions you do. <laughs> that was really good. Oh, thanks. Anyway, um, anyway, I just, I, I, yeah, you're right. I, I don't worry about taking the pictures. I worry about, I think about the fact that I'm not taking pictures. If I'm not taking pictures, you know what I mean? I think a lot of people would, would, would click with that. So is so is that is that a a an obsession or a worry about is that like a lost time fear? I think it's a fear of starting. I think I think a lot of us and I'm going to put myself in this category because I I am I am in that camp. Once I get going, I'm fine. Yeah. It's the starting. Oh, yeah. And this is this is this pervades my entire life. If I'm if I'm going to Yosemite. I am a ball of worry and stress up until the time that I leave the house. What, Once what, I'm in motion, I'm fine. Well, rattle off your fears. What, do you, what, what is it that you're worried about? Oh, they're completely irrational. There, it, there's just an anxiety sometimes of leaving the house. There's an anxiety of, of leaving what's familiar. There's an anxiety about, about and it's, it's not as bad as it, as it was you know, it used to be, but there still is that. And, and when I'm writing, when I'm painting, even when I take, you know, the few photographs that I take, right. There's an anxiety up until the point I feel the camera in my hands up until the the point I've got gel medium on my hands from, you know, the palette knife up until once I'm in motion, I tend to stay in motion. So it's artistic inertia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's interesting. I, I feel the same way. A lot of times on my, on my way to taking pictures, uh, I get like for a, for a shoot for say a, a client that I'm nervous about because 
I don't know how it's going to come off or it's a lot of money and I don't have a lot of time or, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. Right. Right. Um, or it's a new client or somebody famous that I need to shoot. Um, I get nervous where it's like, I get butterflies in my stomach and I feel a little sick and you know, um, but, but, and even when I get there, it gets a little better, you know, of, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. I'll be taking your picture today. That, that whole thing. Right. But the minute I snap a picture and I look at the back of the screen and see that it's well exposed and you know what I mean? The lighting is pretty much right. And now I can actually get to taking pictures. It's like gone. Like right. all the, all the, all the sphere is gone. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't get worried. The only time I get worried in a shoot is if it's just, if it's just not working, you know, I'm, I'm two thirds of the way through the shoot and I know that I don't really have anything that makes me happy. But maybe that's part of it. Maybe, maybe this anxiety, maybe this, maybe this, that's the performance thing we we're talking maybe about. Maybe that's, perf- you know, I read a story years ago about Henry Fonda, who even after, you know, decades as an actor would still throw up before he went on stage. <laughs> that was kind of, that became his ritual. I kind of like that. Well, I don't like you know? the throwing up part. No, but, but the idea that, that, and Olivier, same way. There's, there's a story about, about, uh, Olivier just came off stage doing Othello and it was uh, supposedly an incredible performance. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, I think John Hurt tells this story and he comes off stage and, and, and he's angry and he's throwing things around. He goes into his dressing room, he slams the door and his, and his wife, you know, comes in and, and says, you know, Larry, you know, what's, what's going on? That was the most incredible performance you've ever given. And he said, yes, but how did I do it? <laughs> You know, isn't it's is is that some sort of um is that what you the story you just told is that an example of a is that a sign of maturity as an artist in the sense that not him throwing stuff around and being a little tantrum maker. Right. But the idea that he's to the point where he can actually step outside himself and get meta about his own performance. Maybe. That, 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 I mean, look, there, there, there are musicians that will talk about it. There are writers that talk about it, that they go into this other place. You know, uh, there, there's a, a famous story about Samuel Taylor Coleridge writing. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, also uh, on Opium. Kubla Khan. Yeah. But somebody, you know, he was writing and writing and writing. Somebody came to his door and said, you need to come. There's an emergency. You have to do this. So he, he went and did this and came back and could never finish. Yeah. Because he was in this sort of other place. And I think that when you're, you know, uh, what do they call it? They call it flow. That's sure. what they call it. And it's, it's, it's great being in, in the zone, right? Sure. Love it. Where, where you are firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, and our, our, our challenge is to figure out how to get there, if not at will, at least... <laughs> Seven times out of 10, you right, know, sure. Yeah. That's our challenge. Yeah. And, and these people like Fonda, like, 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 uh, Olivier, um, I think they were able to get there. Do you, do you think that uh, some of the f- creative fears and, and, and anxieties that we have, um, aren't to do with the fact we, we, we do this because we love that feeling, the flow. Uh, I think so. Sure. Right. Like that. I, I will tell you that that's why I do any of this stuff is cause I love that feeling. 
And, okay. and when it when it's there, when you're in it, sometimes you don't even know you're in it until after you're out of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know right. that, that that famous story of 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 Karsh uh, 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 snatching the the cigar out of Churchill's mouth. Sure. Yeah. You know, he wasn't thinking I'm standing here with Winston Churchill. He was thinking, you know, if he was thinking at all, I'm, I'm needing to get this shot. I need to do this. This isn't working. This is working. Okay. What's distracting me? This thing, this stogie, boom. I need to get rid of that. Yeah, sure. You know, although it's funny. It's that story always is funny to me because like Karsh is shooting with an eight by 10 camera, which meant that he grabs the stogie. It's not like grab the stogie snap. <laughs> like, right, I bet right. you it was grab the stogie. All right. Uh, I got to go under this dark thing and got to, you know, like, so, but, but it's, it's but, stri- that story always struck me as he had to be somewhere else. Absolutely. But here, here's my question is that if this is why we do it is to get to that point, why are we always so terrified about going there? You know what I mean? Like let's let's say I get there from 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 taking pictures, but then there's also the anxiety we we're just talking about, where I'm like worrying about not like why am I worried about anything? Because why don't I want to do it in the same it. way that I want to have sex? All the, because you know other I mean? people are going to see it. Yeah. And what if they don't like it? When you were a child, at least when I was, I drew all the time. I didn't show anybody. Cave paintings. I had, I had boxes and boxes of papers that I just I drew drew all the time. Really? When it you still have them? Uh, I have many of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, when it when it got to a point where other people were seeing it, then there had to be a qualitative difference. It had to be good enough. Is 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 maybe that the thing? Where I mean, look, you and I talk a lot about. <clears throat> Uh, whether or not you should cater to the audience and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, are you doing it for you or are you doing it for the client or for whoever else, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some ways, you're just saying always do it for you the way or, or your art. You know, there's an argument to be made that like always just do it for you to hell with what everybody else thinks and just keep putting it out there. I think so. Now, if, so, so. if somebody then looks at that and goes, yeah, but what you're doing is crap, you still have the same effect. Uh, you, you almost have to be uh, immune to the criticism. Hmm. But, yeah, and, and that's, then again, that's the part that's tough, right? Yeah, or, or in that case, then maybe you'll never learn from the criticism. I guess it depends on the source of the criticism. Hmm. How do you choose who has a better source? Oh, that's, that's, that's tough. I mean, some, some random, you know, if, if I'm, if I've got something hanging and, and I, I, I I hear, (laughs) I hear, you know, overhear random conversation about people talking about this piece and, and they're speaking negatively of that. Is that going to affect me more than say, you know, one of, one of my friends who, who I value their their opinions. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. How, how do you decide, you know, when, when you're taking photographs, when you're, when you're writing, when you're painting, how do you decide where to set the filter? Uh, it's very, very tough. Cause I've had people I respect equally both pan and praise a particular piece of work. And maybe the same. Who piece do you, of work. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's happened. And so it's like, okay, well now what do I do? <laughs> you know, you know, you you can you can read all of the sort of self helpy do it for you kind of things that you want, but at some point 
you've got to pull back the curtain and show the world. Yeah. And that's that's where we go, what if they don't like me? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah. do you also think that there's a question of, of okay, yeah, I'm going to go take pictures today. And uh, it's it's the fear of inspiration not coming back. You know, I'm going to go take pictures today. Yes, I've had these flow moments doing this or painting or doing whatever, writing music. But if I do it today and it's not there, I'm going to dis- be disappointed. So it's better if I just don't do it at all. And then I can remember the high that I had last time. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I, I think, I think, I mean, I know of being I disappointed that, today, you know, you know, I, I don't post very many photos. Um, but when I do, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, I don't post a lot of photos, but I, I, I post the ones that I find interesting. Sure. And maybe they're not, but they're interesting to me. Well, and that's, that's really. Dumpsters you know, are interesting to everybody. Who doesn't like a good dumpster? <laughs> Uh, maybe it's because I'm not doing it as a profession. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Maybe, maybe it would, I mean, maybe I should do more. Maybe, maybe that's the thing, you know, I enjoy it. Um, but there is that, 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 what will they think? The we, or what yeah. will they, I wonder who the they are. I mean, I know who they are, but I, I wonder who your mind thinks that they are, you know? Well, I mean, look, you, you've taken photographs that you go, gosh, I don't know if I want to post this. Sure. We've talked about photographs that you've taken. I don't sure. know if I want to post this. Well, why not? Well, I don't know. Yeah. It's not good enough. You know, there, there, there's, you know, it's. It was good enough for you to click the shutter button. Yeah, but that, but you know, that, that, that is filter one. Filter two is looking at them when you get home, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, it's, it's the interesting thing about. You know, people say, oh, well, you know, uh, making photographs is an instantaneous process, right? You know, it's, it's, it's snapping. Um, but really, the editing process goes much deeper than that. You know, there's the decision whether to pick up the camera at all. There's the decision whether or not to f- how to frame it. There's a decision of when to hit the button, what the settings are going to be. There's decisions of once you get home looking through those pictures, trying to pick the few that actually, you know, are saying what you want to say and then culling it down even more so you get the couple that are just really great you know it's all that Mm -hmm. um but it's tough making these decisions is really tough and anyway i i imagine that even a guy like foster wallace like you know the guy was winning awards and all kinds of acclaim and this that and the other thing and he still tried to kill himself multiple times and ended up doing it you know because of depression because of just being disappointed with himself or disappointed with the world or, you know, whatever that thing is that we all get upset about, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, look, you can go down a list of, of people who have externally at least made it, but have taken their own lives. Yeah. Or externally made it and are miserable, you know, Mm -hmm. like that there, there is very little correlation between, success and happiness see and, and in watching this he strikes me as fairly even keeled in this this interview mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah there's a little bit of sort of anxiety sure. around being at charlie rose's table but sure but really who wouldn't be right i mean it's right. it's well you know. i mean obviously he's a well-spoken guy he's very well educated he's a professor he's written all these books he's spoken a bit you know tons of places uh 
but yeah, there's, but, the, but apparently, you know, he had a lot, a lot of issues, you know, was always questioning everything he was doing. And, and, and I don't know. It's just, I, I, I don't like him, but there's something about him that I find fascinating that I haven't yet made a conclusion about him. So I'm going to keep digging. You know what I mean? You ever have that about somebody? Sure. Uh, I don't know. Well, okay. So the next thing on the list here is this David Brooks TED talk. Uh, the the what do you what do you do it for? Yeah, should you live for your resume or your eulogy? And you know this is actually pretty interesting. He talks about some uh, writer, some uh, let's see, uh, where is it? He's a uh, uh, where's the guy here? Hold on a second. Lost, lost the lonely man of faith in 1965. Joseph Slo- Mm-hmm. God, that's hard to pronounce. Uh, basically, that there's two sides of our natures. There's one that's ambitious and external, and then there's one that just wants to be led. You know, wants right. to like you know, one who wants to be told what to do, and one who wants to take over the world. Right. Um. I and I I find it's it's really interesting to me. That, that like the just different ways. Of, and I know that the, he says that those things are in everyone and that it's, it's, it's a confrontation between those two. Yeah. He calls them Adam one and Adam two. Yeah. And I totally think that I, I read this and I was like, you know what? That's a really good way of putting it. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. And it allows you to explain being both introverted and extroverted or, you know what I mean? All these kinds of things, right? Where it's, there's look, there's a, there's a, a dichotomy. There's a dialectic in almost everything in life. Right. Right. Um, well, here, it, it, here, Adam one, just so people understand what we're yeah. talking about here. Adam one is the worldly ambitious external side of our nature. He says he wants to build, create, create companies, create innovation. Adam two is the humble side of our nature. Adam two wants not only to do good, but to be good, to live in a way internally that honors God, creation, our possibilities. Adam right. one wants to conquer the world. Adam two wants to hear a calling and obey the world. Adam one savors accomplishment. Adam two savors inner consistency and strength. Adam one asks how things work. Adam two asks why we're here. Adam one's motto is success. Adam two's motto is love, redemption, and return. Yeah. That's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Obviously a, a philosopher of some kind. Uh, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I I found this really interesting and I, I tend to, I mean, as we talk about this on, on the show, I tend to want to live for my eulogy more than my resume. Now there's some who would say that if, if you live for your resume, it'll eventually build something that's worthy of your eulogy. Maybe, but you, you have this thing about, about wanting to be remembered it's not about no. It's I say that, but that's actually a bad way to put it. The better way to put it is well, you've put it that way about a half a dozen times. Well, I want to be remembered in the sense that I want to do. I want to accomplish something that is worthy of sixty, eighty years on this planet. But what do you care? You're dead. Why not do the best you can do now? Quit worrying about it. Quit worrying about being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, I don't and want, just make good see, music. I don't really care about being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What I care about is. I don't care about other people telling me that I did a good job. I want to look back on myself and think that I did a good job. It ultimately, I am my own worst critic. You know, um, that's not the way it's presented often. Okay. Well, that's, that's the better way to say it. 
And I, I beat myself up over it because I want to make sure that in the end, I've done something that I really want to be proud of. And in doing that, I think that other people will think that it's great too, but I'm not trying to make other people love me. I'm trying to love myself. Have you found your voice yet? Have you found, have you found your vision? I'm, I'm reading this, this book by William Gibson, who is one of my favorite fiction writers. And it's, it's a book of essays. That, that, that he's written over the years. It's called uh, Distrust That Particular Flavor. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and he's, he's talking about, about how he learned to write fiction. And I think we can apply this to learn to paint, learn to take photographs, et cetera. Okay. And he's, and he's talking about learning to listen to your own sense of what feels right. Okay. Based, based on the pleasure that it gives you. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. So uh, have, have you found, uh, taking that as kind of a, uh, an example or a baseline, have you found the vision that gives you pleasure? Have you found a voice that you derive pleasure from not worrying about whether it's going to be hanging in the hallowed halls of blah, blah, blah. Uh, nobody gives a shit about that. No, uh, I, I have found something that gives me pleasure. I don't know if it's the, if it, if it gives me as the most pleasure. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? I found stuff that I, I found a voice that I like. I don't know if it's the voice I'm going to end up with. And, and, are you worried that it won't be met with favor? Because I, th- I feel like a lot of photographers are still not shooting through their own lens. And I think, I mean, I know I struggle with it. So I, I would imagine that a lot of other people do too, that, that I, I'm shooting for, for, I don't know what I think people are going to like, what I think is going to be popular. I'm, I'm trying to emulate this person or that person. I think we all go through different periods of that. I need to shoot something so that it gets picked up on XYZ social media site. Whatever, whatever that might be. Um, but I think that that moment, and maybe there are several of them, but that moment where you, you're able to hear that little voice go, that's the one, you know, that's, that's what you should be doing. That's, that's you. Have you reached that point? Uh, I've had momentary glimpses of it, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's in your peripheral vision and you turn to look at it to define it and it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wonder if anybody who even says that they've gotten there has ever actually gotten there. Like, you know, there, there, <sighs> The problem is, is that there are, there are people who will say that they have their things set up, but then in, in private are just as questioning as the rest of us, you know, just as fragile as the rest of us. Sure. That they're putting on a show. I don't, I don't think that you're ever, I don't think you ever should feel that you've arrived, but I, I do feel like, you know, using your Greg Bear example. Bear knows who he is as a writer or seems to. Well, seems to. Okay. Fair enough. I don't know if seems he does to. or does not. I don't know him. Seems yep. to know where he is as a writer. Yep. Um, William Gibson seems to have 
a point of view, seems to have a voice. Right. Stephen King seems to have a voice. Stephen King. You know, and you can go down the list. Photographers, same way. But is, is that finding something or is that building a house and then backing up and looking at what it looks like? Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think you can look I, I at t- it both I, ways. Well, you can, but I think that I think that in in hindsight, you can step back and say, "Yes, this is the house that I wanted to build, and it's exactly what I wanted." When in the middle of it, you have no idea what you're building. You know, you're just right. building, right? And maybe you know, it's like the Winchester Mystery House of Art. You know? Yeah, yeah. We're yeah, on a we're on a staircase to nowhere. Yeah, exactly. You ever been there, by the way? Uh, never have. I was going to go last time. It's really expensive. Yeah, I was there years and years ago. It's very weird. Uh, but that that kind of gets back into your obsession discussion, though. Yeah, that was that house was built out of obsession. Yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, there, I, I will tell you, it's funny because <clears throat> you could say that the the obsession that say Glenn Gould and Ricky Jay have. Uh, about their art is in some ways an Adam two obsession. They're being told going back to the David Brooks thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're being told by some inner voice. Just sit down and play with the cards. Just play with mm-hmm. the cards. Everything mm-hmm. will be all right. Mm-hmm. If you just keep playing with the cards, you know, sit down at the piano, play some more Bach, play some more Bach ecstasy, play some more Bach, you know, yeah. that, 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 that I wonder if there's even a question in their heads or if they really do feel like they're just following some crazy inner voice you that's know, saying this is it. If I look, gosh, this is, this is a moment. If I look back on my resume, going back to say college. Mm-hmm. And going from college to doing regional theater and then doing going from regional theater to to uh, high end stereo installs and then going to video post-production and then going to computer graphics and then going to practical special effects and then web design and then art direction. There's none of it really makes sense. There's not. If you charted a course based on my resume, you would be hopelessly lost. Yeah. Because it doesn't lead anywhere except to where I am. Yeah. But, I mean, eh, you, you know, know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. But I know a lot of people who, you know, went to, went to undergrad, went to grad school, got a degree in law or lawyers. And, yeah, their, their resume looks exactly where they got. But a lot of them are not happy. <laughs> you know, they, they followed a, a, a very specific path, but they're, they're – it hasn't led in many cases, it hasn't led to satisfaction or happiness right, of any kind. Right. You know, I, I, I mean, look, I have like, a music degree, did advertising and now I'm a photographer. I have the same kind of thing as you. Yeah. You know, I, I, I feel like my window has closed. Really? Yes. Why? I feel, I feel like my window on, 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 well, maybe that's better. My, my, I think that my thing, whatever, whatever my thing is, is no longer the goal, but rather a byproduct. My career has become about celebrating other people. There's, there's not a lot of... But you seem like you're okay with that. I am okay with it. And I, I, I'm ecstatic with it. My, I, I, I would like to go further than that. I would like to celebrate more and share more and highlight more. I, I 
would love nothing more than for my career to be sort of curating inspiration for other people and celebrating that work. You're the Charlie and, Rose of inspiration. <laughs> I wish. Um, but it's, it's strange. I've been thinking about this a lot for the past several weeks. And, and I really do feel that, that my time to go after something Jeffrey-centric is gone. Like, that, like you've missed the opportunity? Maybe. Or, or, or you don't want the opportunity. I don't, I think it's the latter. I think it's that I, I, I want, I want anything that's associated with, with me to be the byproduct of doing what I love. And what I love is sharing stories from other people. Right. Okay. So there is, there is no my career really, other than when I can hopefully look back on it and go, look at this narrative that I was a part of. And is that, is that satisfying to you? At the moment? Yes. Is there a part of you that worries that at some point that may not be enough and you'll look back and say, what was I doing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But, but there's a, yeah. And then, and then there's the whole second guessing of, of did I choose this because this was really my passion or, or did I choose this path because I don't have the stones to do anything else? Uh, yeah. I mean, the flip side of that is, is trying to climb Everest and knowing that most people fail and that's also equally terrifying. Right. You know? I mean, look, what, what I'm, what I'm doing with, with the site, with the show, with all of this stuff, uh, there's no map. I don't know where it's going to go, but. Yeah, but who has a map of anything? Right, right, right. Well, and that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm getting to is, is I'm, I'm trying to immerse myself in the narrative as much as I can and see where it goes. You think that the narrative is going to take you away like the tide? I don't and, know. and lead you to Tahiti? <laughs> I hope not. To overplay really a metaphor? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. And I envy the people that, that, that go, well, you know, I've got, it. I've got a, ch- a, a course charted and I know where I'm going. Um. But there are some people, okay, there are some people who are doing that and they really have it wired or they seem like they do. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other people who, who, who do that and they do that because they honestly don't know what else to do. You know what I mean? Like right. it's like a control thing. I, but I, like I'm, I'm so worried about uncertainty that I'm going to take all the uncertainty I can out of this. Right. I guess what I'm fighting with is what is my contribution to the stream? Well, that's the same thing I'm fighting with. No, yeah, but you have, you have a contribution to the stream. Your work is the contribution to the stream. And I suppose that I could argue that, that, you know, maybe there are conversations and the conversations are, are that's, that's my product. Yeah. Or maybe it's a meta thing where your, your contribution is inspiring other people to add to the stream. 
And if that's the you're, case, you're the kingmaker, not the king, as it were. That would thrill me to no end. Okay. If, if if that's really the case, if if I am able to inspire someone to pick up a camera, a brush, a pen, a typewriter, a a wrench, I don't care. If if that's the case, that would be a very satisfying life. So what are you worried about? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. There's just this impending sort of what the hell am I doing? You know? Yeah. And I read this stuff and I, and I, and I watch and I try and learn from it and try and uh, apply it to myself. And I, I, it just, it's confusing. Well, life is confusing, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that's you know, sometimes when I push back on you about the inspiration stuff and say, okay, well, that's great if it actually leads to something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead of it just being an end unto itself, which it is for some people, you know, they're, they just sit and spin on the inspiration and they don't actually do anything with it. They just sort of get high off of it, you know? Um, to me, that's unsatisfying because ultimately I, I, I'd rather make more mediocre stuff on the way to making uh, the goal of great stuff. And, and you know, and, and when I need to pick me up, watch Ricky J play with playing cards. Right. Um, but, but I also don't want to get trapped in talking about making stuff as opposed to making stuff, you know? Yeah. And see, that's, that's where I, I love the talking about it. I love the talking about it with other people and, and maybe, wow. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's, it's through facilitating the narrative. I am inspired to create myself. Does that actually happen? Absolutely. You, so you, so when, when, okay. So when you, when you talk to other people that makes you want to do more yourself, it d- depending on the person, sure. But right. yeah, 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 Absolutely. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's just perspective. It's a way of looking. It's back to, back to mom and her kaleidoscope of, of, I just look at this a different way where, where my creativity is, is, is sort of channeled into celebrating and and sharing other people's creativity. But then that creativity comes back to me. So it's a circle. The circle <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm going in circles. Sorry, listeners. I'm trying to work through this. Yeah, it's well. Look, this is the this is the eternal question, right? Hmm. <sighs> I don't know. I I hope I hope we haven't lost people going through this. No, I think this is what people tune in for. Uh. Okay. Uh. You know, I was, I was, I've been listening to these, you know, I listen to podcasts and, uh, I've been listening to this crazy podcast, which is all interviews with seventies porn people, just cause I like find that whole, <laughs> I know it's crazy, but just like where these people like ended up and, and what it was like back then. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I'm, I'm listening to this interview. With so this- I've listened to these podcasts all about seventies porn. <laughs> it's true. And actually, they're really fascinating, like biographical pictures, like how these people ended up where they did and where they ended up now is just both fascinating and sad in a lot of cases. Do they have really bad saxophone or jazz music as the soundtrack? No, none of that. It's actually a really interesting show. It's 
you know, it's actually not far from any of the other things you read about, you know, like All right. historical. Anyway, just this woman, Sharon Mitchell, who's this, you know, classic porn star woman said uh, she was saying how when she got into the business, she had to create this persona of her. Mm-hmm. And she said uh, that that's what it is when you create an image. You don't get to own yourself. You just get to perpetuate yourself for others, which I thought was really interesting. In the sense that, you know, when, when, when people try to project a certain kind of person that they are mm-hmm. and not the real person that they are, like sort of putting on a face, the problem is you sort of, that mask becomes you, you know, like it, like it's one of those, what is the old, the old, uh, 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 is it one of the twilight zones or whatever it is? Like where a guy's wearing a mask and suddenly it doesn't come off. Oh, right. Okay. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing, you know, where you become what you project yeah, the, both good or fam- for bad. They had to wear the masks for, for X number of hours. And then when they took the masks off, they found that their face looked just like the mask. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay. In, in some ways, and, and I wonder if that goes both, she was sort of using it as a negative comment, you know, mm-hmm. like when you put this face on, like, then you can't be the real you. But I wonder if it works the other way in the sense, the, the sort of fake it till you make it way where by projecting yourself as what you want to be, not who you what you want yourself to be, not what other people expect of you, that that can sort of transform you into what you're looking to be. Maybe, but, but you, do you eventually then crash because you can't, you can't maintain the illusion? Yeah, I don't know. That's, I just, I just thought it was a really interesting quote, you know? Yeah. Uh, can, can Peter Parker continue to be Spider-Man forever? Well, you know, the thing is that when it, you know, I was I was when I was over in Seattle, I went to the EMP, you know, the Experience Music Project, and uh, big. I was going to go with Electromagnetic Pulse. But I know okay. that's that's what I usually think of it. <laughs> um, but they had a they had a, they had a horror and a fantasy and a sci fi sort of section of the museum all with right. all kinds of crazy stuff like, oh, look, it's you know, uh, Darth Vader's lightsaber from whatever movie, that kind of thing. Okay. And in one of the sections, it was all about horror stuff. And they had one of the costumes from Michael Jackson's thriller. And next to it, they had a running like three minute video interview, like talking head thing of Landis. Okay. Talking about it. And he said, you know, really everything that I do, um, it's all the same. He says, it's always the same. He says, I've directed movies for $60,000 and I've directed movies for $60 million. He goes, and in the end, it's me, a camera, a guy on the other side, and me saying, go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just, I, I also, I like that because, you know, you and I talk about different cameras or famous people or not famous people or situations when you have 10 minutes or one minute. When it comes down to it, it's you holding a thing up to your face, looking at the picture and saying yes or no and making a decision to press the button. Sure. You know? And, and whether, whether it's an iPhone or a $60,000 or whatever, or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I like that idea that Landis is just like, eh, it's always the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he's got that very like, eh, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was just good. Some people have, uh, yeah, wisdom. Wisdom. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, all right. What's next? Uh, did you see this Huey thing? Aaron Huey? Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, you, if you've been listening and I know you have. Uh, we, we talked about the guy that 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 did the the Instagram one day sale that got him like fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. So Aaron Aaron Huey is a, a Nat Geo photographer, and uh, he 
did kind of the same thing. He, he announced that for 24 hours, you'd be able to buy a print of his Instagram photos for a hundred bucks a piece and ended up making more than 10 grand. Right. Which means he sold a hundred pictures. Right. Right. And so he has 150,000 followers, which means he sold prints to 0.7% of his followers. Okay. But none of that really matters. What, no, what, I'm just saying that it's, it's just, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. What, what he was trying to do. His pictures are good. Yeah. He's very, very good. What he was trying to do is he was trying to kind of instill that, that prints and physical objects are the thing. Yep. It wasn't to make money. The guy probably doesn't need the money. I mean, yeah, he made money, but, but it was, look, it's, there, there is something wonderful about a print, there holding is. it, hanging it. Uh, he, he, he says in an email, uh, uh, I'm giving them art that's ready to go in a form that's familiar to them and instilling a collecting mentality. I'd rather have these images on walls and in people's hands than in these zombie boxes we stare at all day. Prints make the world a better place, period. There's an argument to be made for that, sure. I think it's great. And his, so I just, again, his pictures are really good. Very good. Like his, yeah. his, I completely understand why people would buy these. I would buy one of these if. I know. wish I could have gotten in on it. I, I well, completely he, he, would have. He extended it so you can. Do oh, it. did he? Yeah. Yeah, they're beautiful. Uh, oh, it's still going. Okay. I'm, I am going to buy one. Yeah. His stuff's really good. Anyway. So I just thought it was kind of interesting. Um, is yeah. he putting stuff up on Instagram? A lot of these look like they're not taken with a phone. So is he shooting with his own thing and then putting it up on Instagram later? I am not sure. It feels that way. You know what I mean? Like does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. I just, it's like some of these, it's just like, I don't know how you could have gotten that on a phone. You know what I mean? Like they're just like the, but the quality and the light and the way things are, it's just like, it would have had to been, the light would have had to been perfect to be able to pull that off with a phone sensor. You know, that kind of thing. It's just from a technical point of view. It's interesting. Maybe it was man. Maybe it was. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, good stuff. Very good stuff. Um, he's good. Hey, uh, you know, we, we, we've talked about, um, this authenticity thing a number of times. Yeah. I just wanted to say that there's this, there's an episode of Radio Lab. Did you listen to this? I did. Yep. Uh, what did you oh, think? By, by the way, we got a fantastic email from Mike uh, Sakasagawa yeah, about like, it. Yeah, I know. We have to. We got like I'm twelve sorry, uh, emails to uh, Mike Sakasagawa. We, we got a great uh, 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 beginning of a book from Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I I love them, Mike. Keep them coming, Mike. Yeah, they're great. Uh, um, yeah, this was the one. This was Rosenberg, right? Right. So Rosenberg yeah. is this uh, white Jewish guy from what Virginia who is a DJ for, I don't know, some thing in New York, right? Is that what it is? He, Hot 97. There you yeah. go. Okay. And he's like the hip-hop guy. He uh, is. He's the main kind of hip-hop guy right. of and, Hot and 97. And very well-known, very well-respected, blah, 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 right? Uh, not Hasn't always been because there are you know, questions about some nerdy kid coming in from the suburbs. Yeah, he lives in like Maryland. That's where he's from, Maryland. Yeah, I think it was Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah. So, so... So apparently in this, the, the whole argument of this show was basically a, a subset of the argument that we've been having a lot lately, which is, you know, what makes anything an authentic anything, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in this case it's, you know, can, can, can this kid from the suburbs really comment on hip hop in a way that, that he can decide what is or is not authentic, 
you know. Yeah, specifically, can a white Jew from suburban Maryland, right? You know, so and then be so, the gatekeeper of hip hop. Now, who's the who's the woman that he was talking about? Nick Minaj. Nicki Minaj, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so she puts out some. She was a rapper who then puts out a song that is more pop, right? That becomes a big hit. Is it's, that basically yeah, what it's, it is? It's, it's yeah, it's bubblegummy. Right. They played the song in the show, and I was like, I've never heard this. But then again, I never listened to the radio, so I don't know. Um, apparently, it was a big hit, and he made some really nasty wisecrack about her, like on stage at some show. And she was supposed he to just play said the next she, day. She she sold out. Right. Exactly. The words that we use a lot. Right. Yeah. It and was. So, he called it the biggest sellout song in hip hop. Right. Uh, and and so then she, it, she she goes she goes and pulls out of the show. Right. Is that what but happened? to be okay. fair, it wasn't really a nasty comment. Somebody said, you know, something about the song and he's like, we're not going to be playing starships or whatever it is in right. here. This is for real hip hop fans. I mean, it wasn't like a, you know, he, he, he never really attacked her. He attacked the song. Well, yeah. Okay. But that's like saying no one attacked me. They just attacked my pictures, you know? All right, go ahead. Anyway. anyway. Uh, so that it becomes this big blow up thing. A year goes by. They're like, you know, sniping in the media or whatever it is. And then they finally go and they sit down and, sh- and they're talking about it. And she's like, Oh, I'm over it. Blah, 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 blah. But you know, uh, I don't even know if you, you have the right to say anything about my work because you're not from the city and you're not black or whatever the, the argument was. Right. And then, but at the same time, he's saying that this song's not hip hop because it doesn't have a breakbeat or whatever his definition of hip hop is. So it was just this fascinating thing where they were both making an authenticity argument, but from different grounds, mm-hmm. you know, with, with no real resolution as far as I'm concerned. Like it was, it's just sort of a, I guess it's the way you see this, you know? Yeah, it was it was strange because she she called into question his resume of like, you know, who are you? Who 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 are you to be able to to say these things uh about hip hop music? So you can only you know, comment on hip hop if you're from Bed-Stuy? You well, know, that's, I mean that's, that's the thing. Right. It's like and then and then she's then she has to play the race card and go, "Well, because you're white, you can't say anything about that." Well, hey, there are a lot of white people who have struggled. There, right. Struggle is not a uniquely black trait right. or or, right. or experience rather. Right. And I think he makes that point and, you know, and but does you know does that necessarily have anything to do with commenting on the music? Right. You know, um, I mean that's that, it, if if it does, then there aren't any film critics who should continue to be employed because I don't I don't there might be a few, but they haven't made a film. So if you haven't made a film, how can you comment on a film? Right. Yeah. That, that, that's a silly argument. Right. We're all consumers. Yeah. Right. But but I mean. I, I sort of, it's funny. You you could listen to this and you, I think they're both wrong, <laughs> you know? Um, so. Well, in the sense that like, of course you can't. Okay. So he's some white Jewish kid from, from the suburbs, like big deal. He loves the same music that you love. The thing that you have in common, which is this music, right? You both love it. Um, and that, would- that is the core of the whole thing. If, if he doesn't like some particular song, okay. He doesn't like that song. He shouldn't make you know, he said, well, I, I hold her to a higher standard because I think she's really good. And I was disappointed that she didn't make something that that made me proud of her. Mm-hmm. Sort of the argument that he was making. Well, who's why is she doing? Why should she do anything to make Rosenberg proud? You know, if mm-hmm. if if making the music, maybe the Starship song, she really liked it. 
And if that's the case, then what did she do wrong? Right. You know, um, and that, that sort of gets back to that sort of it, everything is ultimately authentic. If you decide that you want to do something, then who's to say why you wanted to do it? You know, it just so happens that that Starship song ended up being a big hit and was a catchy song. And right. but if it was some underground pop thing that she did that never went anywhere, would that be more authentic? Because it was street or something. You know what I mean? Like, the, it, I guess it depends on why she did it. And yeah. you and I. And most of the rest of the world will never know that. No. And you know what? She seemed to have like that. Her career was going fine doing the, the rap stuff. And maybe, maybe she was just interested in doing this stuff or maybe, you know, maybe her grandmother needs some sort of crazy cancer treatment that she can't pay for. And she was like, I need money to pay for my grandma's whatever. You know, we don't know. Right. People do things for all kinds of reasons. And I just, I thought it was interesting in that, in the end, no one was right, mm-hmm. you know, and and it, it, and each of them went their own separate ways and continued to do their own thing. Yes, and it so also this, this this big thing was just a blip. Yeah, sorry, and it, well, and it kind of proves the point I was trying to make a couple weeks ago, or, or or supports the point I was trying to make a couple weeks ago, which is that you know is if is authenticity anything, or is it just like another word for cool Rosenberg thinks that breakbeat rap that sounds like it's from the nineties is what real rap is. And if it's not that, then it's not hip hop or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, who are you to make that judgment? Like a lot of people might think the opposite of you. And maybe you're just an old fuddy duddy, you know, like you're allowed to have your opinion, but are you the arbiter of all things good? You know, um, that, that song sold X million copies. So like, who's to say that it's bad? Cause X million people loved it. You know, um, well, that's a that's a bigger discussion. Well, it is a bigger discussion. I'm popular just, doesn't mean good. No, absolutely. But but unpopular or, you know, underground doesn't mean good either. You know, it doesn't True. it doesn't mean it's bad. You know, um, I don't know. I just I, I just find it. I just found the whole thing. I found that fascinating. And it pissed, I, both I, of them pissed me off. Yeah, it's a it's a really good episode. I mean, yeah. it's. Uh, you could say that about almost all of the yeah. Radio Lab. Everyone episodes. should listen to Radio Lab in general, but if you want to listen to a Radio Lab, you should definitely listen to this Radio Lab. Yeah, it's interesting. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's good. Um, all right, what's next? Oh, light pad for i or light room for iPad. Light light pad for iRoom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dyslexics of the world untie. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> uh, good. Uh, All right. Okay, so Adobe puts out Lightroom for iPad. Well, sort of. Yeah. So explain. It, it it's Lightroom for iPad if you're a Creative Cloud subscriber. Okay. If if or light, you know. Yeah. It's just. Ugh. I I okay. I haven't tried it. I had an iPad for a week and I brought it back yesterday. Um. So I didn't get to try it before I brought <laughs> because it because of course. Yeah, because I've just never been sold on them. But yeah, um, so you need to have Creative Cloud. You need to. Is, yeah, is you need to buy. You have to have a Creative Cloud subscription. And so the, if you bought a boxed copy of Lightroom okay. and a boxed copy of Photoshop, right. you cannot use this. I have a boxed copy of Lightroom stupid. and I cannot use it. This all is right. it's ugh. All right. That's that's stupid. Yes. It's infuriating beyond. That is not what really makes me angry. All right. Go not ahead. Angry, but just sort of like, OK, if someone said to me. What is what is the purpose of Lightroom for iPad? I would say when you're at a shoot or traveling, you can import your photos and play with them before you get home. 
you know? Well, or just like do a, can't you, can't you filter the smart yeah. previews? Uh, no, but you have to put them on a computer and then sync them to the iPad. Okay. You can't just go from your camera to the iPad. You have to have a oh, computer. You no, you oh, put the, lame. you put them in a collection inside of Lightroom and that Lightroom collection gets synced to the cloud, which goes down to the iPad. So, so really, unless you've got a computer with you on the road, this is a useless app. Absolutely. And that's exactly my point of why I don't understand it. So who is it for? I, I come home. I throw my pictures from Seattle on my computer. I move them to the iPad, and then I can go sit on the couch and make my selects on the couch. <laughs> like, that's what it's for? That seems kind of odd, right? I, I don't understand. Like, who is this for? If, if you can't use it, like, on the road, then this is not for pros. And you know if you've I mean? got your laptop, then why do you need your iPad? Right. You know, like I'm much faster on a keyboard going right arrow one, right arrow one. You know what I mean? Like, tick, 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 tick. like I can do that much right. faster than I can slide. Where's the thing? One arrow, two arrows, slide. You know what I mean? Right. Like I have. I, a, didn't, I didn't realize that it was that there was you had to have the computer as sort of yeah. an interim. It doesn't go straight from to the to the thing. It's it puts like smart, you know, like those mini raw files, like those compressed smart preview raw things that it does. Right. And it sticks those up on the cloud and then pulls them down to the iPad and then you play with those on the iPad and then it all the data syncs back. But I don't know why it is you need that or mm. who really needs it. Like it feels like something okay, yeah, you can do it, but who is that good for? Right. I don't understand. Good god. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Lightroom. Good God. <laughs> I don't know. Do you yeah. agree or disagree? Uh, if, if you have to have a computer, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm coming up with the same question you did of like who, if, if I've got my kit and my iPad, then I, I don't, why wouldn't I just use Snapseed or Photogene or something? Right. Yeah, like yeah, if, if or right, or or if I have my iPad Air, I'll just use the computer. Yeah. Like if uh, this if this doesn't re- if this doesn't replace my 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 laptop traveling, then it's no it's, this is useless to me. You know. Yeah, it seems kind of odd. Okay, so write in, folks. What do you think of this? Yeah, maybe if, if you if you can't use it just uh, uh, tablet and camera, you have to have the the computer. Does that make sense to you? Right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, but maybe somebody will come in with a really good use case that I'm not thinking of. At least, at least for me, it doesn't do any good. You know what does make sense to me? What? This, this new Pentax 645Z. That's a sexy camera. It is a good-looking camera. I mean, you know, we don't talk gear often, but when we do... Uh, I, you know, I've, I downloaded some of the uh, sample images... Okay, so what what are we looking at? We're looking at a, a fifty-one megapixel, fourteen-bit RAW. Yep, it's and the it's same, a CMOS sensor. It's a CMOS Sony CMOS sensor. It's the same sensor that FaZe and Hasselblad are using for their CMOS cameras, but it's eighty-five hundred dollars as opposed to twenty-five thousand hmm. or thirty thousand. Um, now, I just you, like the body design of these. I've always liked the body uh, design. Yeah, I, apparently the handling is great on the old one, so it should be equally good on the new one. Um, I mean, it does video and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not getting that camera to do video. Um, I also like the fact that it has that. Wait, uh, does it? What does it shoot? Does it shoot 4K? It well, it shoots 4K intervalometer, so it like it can do 4K time lapse or uh, 
1080p video. Oh, okay. But okay. I, but you know, no one's buying that camera. You're not spending 80, if you're spending $8,500, you can get a better video camera. Right, right, know? right. Um, but you know, if you want more pixels and they put out another like eight or 10 lenses for it. Um, very interesting. You know, I, so I looked up on B and H photo the day before it really was announced. There were rumors and somebody said, Oh, B and H photo already has the lenses for presale. Mm-hmm. So I go look at some of the lenses just to see the prices and they're, you know, 1300, 1500. They're like, you know, in, in the thousand dollar range. That's high end DSLR lenses. Absolutely. And so I went just for, you know, giggles, went and looked up Hasselblad and phase lenses and those are four or $5,000. And I was like, okay, so for the cost of a co- like three lenses, I could get a whole system, including the body. Yeah. You know, like I, like maybe there's special sauce that goes into, you know, the, the profiles that phase makes for, uh, the phase backs and the color profiles or whatever it is. I, the, these files that I downloaded are, they were J, like in camera JPEGs from what I understand. These are the ones you showed me. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. They're, they're really nice. Uh, they're in camera JPEGs, uh, which means that I can't tell, I mean the raw files, I, I wish they like Canon and, and, and whatever usually put up raw files mm-hmm. so you can download them and play with them a little bit. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if the raw files are even better. Uh, in playing with them, the the files that I downloaded could have used a little bit of sharpening, but they did zero sharpening out of the camera. Right. You know, and they still look great. I mean, they look great for eighty five hundred dollars. They look amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I would love to see because I, I I I would imagine that 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 Carl Taylor just just spit Grolsch all over his monitor as we're listening, you know, as he's listening to this. Sure. Uh, I I would love to see. <laughs> sorry, Carl. <laughs> I'd love to see, uh, um, you know, A B, same same Hasselblad versus versus this Pentax. I'd love to yeah. see some some comparisons. Yeah, look, it's 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 look. Even comparisons, regardless of comparisons, at least the test shots I've seen are are beautiful and kind of what I've been looking for in a camera, which is a lot more pixels that I can shoot at higher ISOs. Yeah. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. I just uh, want to see what you what lenses you that don't cost a billion dollars, which a lot of the other lenses do. I just, I can't afford to spend $40,000 on a system. You know, could I spend right. $12,000 system? Yeah, maybe, you know? So for me that there's, I'd be willing to trade off 10% image quality in order to get something that's one third the price, you know? Right. And that's what I'm saying. I'd I'd like to see, you know, other than, History, legacy, heritage, yeah. you know. The, only, uh, the one problem that somebody pointed out with the last one is that Pentax, and I don't know if this is true still, I have to look it up. Pentax does not have a repair place in North America. So if your camera oh, really? breaks, you have to send it to Japan. Oh, wow. And that was one of the things that people, pros, pointed out as a no-go. Now, then again, you could buy two of two bodies <laughs> or three bodies and have a couple spares around, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, interesting either way, you know, I don't know. I, I can't wait to try one. I'm going to see if, uh, Claude can pick one up and we'll borrow one from Adorama. We can play with it when they come out in June. I think it is. Uh, yeah, it's okay. There's a, there's a Rico imaging service department in Chandler, Arizona. Ah, is that new or does that look like it's an old website? 
Uh, it's just listed on the uh, oh. Pentax website. Or Interesting. The Rico well, maybe website. maybe they changed that recently, but I remember that being like one of the things that people complained about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, interesting. Eighty five hundred dollars. You know, uh, you know, ninety five hundred dollars with a standard lens. You know, with a normal lens. Uh, that that definitely piques my interest and makes me turn around. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, interesting. We'll see when that. We'll see when the numbers come out and see what the battery life is like, and see what you know the review sites think of the image quality when they put up to their normal test. Because you know, you know what's funny to me is all, almost always, at least with Canon and, and Nikon, the sample images on their websites are usually terrible. <laughs> Why is that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they're just like well, you know, part of it is that they're just doing things out of camera, right? Because they want to show you exactly what it is. So if it's a model, there's always like hairs out of place and that kind of stuff because no one's perfect, you know, out of camera. Right. So part of it is that they're showing you what it's going to look like, flaws and all, you know. But but I just it's like every time I look open these files, I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, could have been so much better. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, another thing I wanted to mention was that when I came home, a friend of ours was staying at our house while we were gone. And um, I had turned on this weird terminal thing in Mac OS that makes it see the uh, beta updates in software update. Gotcha. And uh, every day it would say, would you like to install this update? And you have to say, no, 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 like bother me tomorrow because I didn't want to install it yet. Yep. But while I was away, apparently the guy who was at my computer didn't know to say no, thank you. And so I came home to my, my computer being updated to... 10.9.3. 10.9.3. The the beta. Yeah. And? Uh, I can do scaling. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, however, I've decided not to do scaling. Are you going to return right the now. monitor? No, no, no. I love the monitor. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it at 1080p or right. the equivalent of 1080p. 1080p quadrupled is uh, uh, beautiful. You know what I mean? Because like everything is just rendered so smooth. Oh, the, I bet. The other, it's like butter. Right. Well, the, the other uh, reductions still look good, like better than a 27-inch monitor would look at, at you know, whatever it is, uh, 2560 by 1440. Right. But, but not as good as this. And so it felt like a step down, even though I was getting more room on the screen. So wait, so, when, when does... Is this a release candidate or what are we looking at for next? Uh, this is like beta of six or something like that. So it's getting close to being released. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. But anyway, I just, I wanted to put that out there that, you know, I can actually, I'm starting to be able to do all the things you could do on a retina MacBook pro now. Um, mm. And uh, uh, it's better. And I mean, I think they're going to keep tuning it, you know, but anyway, it's coming, I guess is the point. So interesting. Are, are they going to rename the operating system when they get to 11? I mean, it should be OS 10.10. Yeah. Why can't it be 10.10 or 10.11? Hmm. You know, a lot of things have, you know, it's Chrome. Because then the ad campaign could be, now it goes to 11. Oh God. Would Apple ever really do that? (laughs) Come on. Hey, do you want to, you want to answer this uh, question real quick before we get (laughs) onto our photographer of the week? Sure. You're right there. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just imagining Spinal Tap on stage at WWDC introducing <laughs> ching, 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 ching. Uh, Big Bottoms <laughs> Talk anyway. about mud flaps My girl's got them <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> so great. So uh, we had a question that we missed from last week, or, or Eric uh, Brenneman mm-hmm. wrote in saying, uh, just listen to the 4A questions and answer show. Reminds me of a question I had, so we thought we'd throw it into the show. Uh uh, you said before that people told you you should make prints and put in a portfolio. So if you have a print for history, for historical record, you know, uh, original reference copy. Right. You know? uh, he said, so uh, if so, what kind, what size? Uh, I have a portfolio of my daughter's eight-year-old sketches and final art, a photo of a final she gave away and sold. But uh, that's easy because it's a hard media. So it's about the only size that it is, you know, because it's right. But if you're making a photo, I can print it out at any size, essentially, is what he's saying. Uh, uh, by kind, I mean that I, do I want just an archival print on a specific paper or whatever paper media you think is best? Uh, how do you pick best media method? You mentioned metallic prints, matte versus gloss size, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, right. what are your thoughts on this? I, you know, I, I think eight by tens are good. Okay. Yeah. I tend to do 11 by 14s mm-hmm. cause I figure 11 by 14 is big enough that if somebody scanned it, if all hell broke loose, there's still enough information in there okay? Uh, without sure. spending a pile of money on uh, ink. I mean, that's the other thing. If you're printing out 50 things that are 13 by 19, you could spend $500 on ink, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And depending on, I mean, if you're using like a, you know, like a Moab paper, yeah. you're going to be spending six, seven bucks a slice yeah. for the paper. Yeah. I like, um, uh, I, I like metallic papers for special effect. I don't like them for everything. Um, I the metallic print thing. Uh, oh, okay, sure. Uh, I I like matte for black and white, but mostly that San Gabriel stuff, which is actually is not really matte. It's sort of that uh, Barcia stuff. Oh, the the San Gabriel semi gloss yeah. metallic. Yeah. yeah, that's good uh, stuff. No, it's not metallic. It's just semi. I'm sorry, yeah. San Gabriel semi gloss fiber. My fiber. mistake. There you go. Um, uh, I am not a glossy person. I'm, I'm sort of a, I'm, I'm always been a, like a pearl sort of semi gloss kind of person. So I use that ultra pro satin paper mm-hmm. from red river. Um, but just because it's like, it's, it's glossy enough that it's coated so that the blacks are really deep and you know what I mean? The contrast is really good and the colors pop, but not so glossy that it has a lot of reflections when light hits it. So it's sort of a, a best of both worlds in my opinion. Right. Um, uh, and along those lines, if you ever want to sell them, do you print uh, blah, blah, blah? Do you print a few methods, papers, and then pick a method? I tend to stick with certain size. Like, I, again, I like the 11 by 14 paper. I've printed bigger. I've printed smaller. But usually 11 by 14 prints or big ones like, you know, 20 by 30 or 16 by 20. Um, do you scrap the test one and get a set printed at the same time? So as they come off the line, as it were, together? Or do you use that first one as the first print? Eh, this is all up to you. Uh uh, do you possibly have a limited run, signed date, put one, one of five, two of five, et cetera? Uh, I have done that before as well. So I've printed to order and I've also printed out five and said these are the only five that are ever going to get existed. Uh, I think when fancy people do it, they print out the five and they sign them and those are the five of the edition. Is that and they correct? just put them away. Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. probably what, you know, uh, who's your guy? Ferry. Shepherd Ferry? Yeah. I mean, of course, his don't actually go away. They just go to people who are pending him, spending money on him. Right. Uh, like me. Yeah. Do you sign <laughs> yourself on the front or back? Back. Yeah. I tend to sign on the back, too, unless somebody specifically asks for the front. I, You know what? I, I never 
really used to think about it. And it, it was, it came from, from uh, father Bill Moore and cause he signs his stuff on the back. And I asked him about it one time and he said, because if you sign it on the front, the signature becomes an object that detracts from the image. Uh, I tend to agree. And I, that, that kind of clicked with me and I went, ah, yeah. I like that. The problem is some people want to buy a picture because of the signature on it, in which case then you're in a bit of a bind. Yes. Right. So that's a different, that's a different question. I also use a little stamp on most of my prints. So I sign it, I date it. And then I also have this like little stamp that I put on. Oh, you, you know, who's got a great, is it? Uh, oh, that guy who showed the, the guy who did the platinum print that we watched the video of. Yeah. Him and, uh, Martin Bailey, I think, cause he, he lives in Japan. So he okay. had one of the, like the Japanese character yeah, 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 of, yeah. of his, of his name. Kind of neat. Oh, uh, yeah. Stamp. Let me see. Let's see if we could look that one up. Martin Bailey, huh? That's the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I want a cool stamp on my. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a nice. Is that one. who it is? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it's like a little. It's like a little. It's it's all kanji symbols or something. It looks like kanji. He has a nice signature too. I have a terrible signature. Hey, speaking of kanji. Yeah. When I was when I was still at, at Universal, they were they were doing like the Japanese theme park okay and uh they were looking for ways to promote it and i i wanted to do t-shirts that that said kanji feel the excitement oh universal studios japan and, and did, they, did they say uh <laughs> hey, i think wait. i was de- i think i was ejected <laughs> from, from the room yeah uh, jeffrey uh can you go get some get those paperwork that i was asking you for earlier <laughs> Uh, sure boss uh, um, i'll be right back all right well one one last question which is might be too big for the show but uh or for this show uh how do you uh, how do you give that print value you know, uh how do you price a print let's let's tackle that next time yeah that's a that's a yeah. that's a good that's a, how, how do you price any your work? value how do you yeah how do you i mean you could the, the the sort of the simple response is it's worth exactly what someone is willing to pay for it right but determining that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, All right. go, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, you see, okay, well, you know what, here, real quick, real quick, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can buy one of Shepard Fairey's prints, his, his signed limited edition, you know, screen prints. Oh, he's got a new one up actually. Ooh, coming out. When is this coming out? How much? 415. Oh, today, right now. Uh, $65. Okay. Okay. For a signed print. Um, limited to 450. Um, I guess my question is why, why is this 65, but one of the originals is, you know, 10,000. Is it just the amount of work that goes into it? This is the big question, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next time, let's talk about that next time. That's a that's a good that's a good thing. I like that. That's and if you go offset, yeah. offset prints are thirty five. So offsets are thirty five. Silk screen or screen print sixty five. Handmade, you know, seven to ten thousand or whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna buy that one. The Strummerville one. Yep. You Heather, like Joe Strummer? Heather has a thing for Joe Strummer. Oh. Yeah, uh, you have to just kind of keep hitting the refresh button because they they do it at random. Oh, really? Yeah, he releases them at random every Tuesday. Or he says ten a.m. 
Oh, really? 10 a.m. today. Do these go like within seconds or is it like? Uh, yeah, they go pretty quickly. Okay. So what, 10 a.m. is uh, 1 p.m.? It's one hour from now. Okay. Yeah. All right. So maybe I'll- One hour, I'll one hour and now. six minutes. All right. I'll have to, maybe I'll actually try to get that one. Uh, all right. Let's talk about our photographer of the week. What do you think? Photographer of the week. I, I, I like this girl a lot. I, I, woman, lady, whatever, female person. Um, I didn't know her work until, uh, I read uh, a piece on the guardian that she had been killed. She's a photojournalist. Isn't that, Uh, sorry, finish what you're saying. uh, Her name is Anja Niedringhaus. Right. Uh, German photojournalist, uh, was shot and killed in Afghanistan. Right. How many of these people who are out there shooting are not noticed until something bad happens to them? Too many. Yeah. I mean, you know the pictures or you see the picture and you go, wow, that's a really great picture. But who mm-hmm. actually, you know, goes out of their way to. You know, these people do not make a lot of money doing this stuff. No, no. Um, yeah, I mean, look, this is uh, there's some really lovely pictures here. November yeah, 26th, and, and, November 24th. So like she's good enough. She's putting up like one really good picture every couple of days, which is really saying something. Now, what I find interesting, I, 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 I have a lot of respect for photojournalists and I always have. Um, and I look at her work and I, I read some of the things about her. There's a, a, a post in time uh, uh, and there's a, a quote when you say war photographer, the first image that comes to mind is someone crazy for the bang bang, says uh, photojournalist Moses Saman in an interview for Time. But not Anja. She was an artist. She used her sensitivity and sense of understanding to access the human side of war. I find that really interesting. Yeah, because th- these pictures, while they're in war zones, are not about war. They're about right. the effects of war or the people that are affected by war. Right. And, and the, 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 the thing that's weird for me is, I, and, I, and I, I wrote about this on, on Faded and Blurred, where a couple weeks ago I, I saw that interview with Don McCullen, who was, who was basically saying that he was a photojournalist as well, uh, covered, you know, I think seven conflicts or wars or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, was almost killed by sniper fire, but the bullet hit his Nikon camera <laughs> and he still got the camera. It's got a bullet hole in it. Uh, but basically he goes on to say that, that the last 50 years of his life have been wasted shooting these images of war. What good has it done? Yeah. War, war is going to happen. It's not like drawing attention to it is going to stop war. Right. But here you have you have uh, Niedringhaus who is saying yes I'm covering this I'm I'm photographing this I'm going to present this to the world but I'm going to do it through my eyes I'm not going to present the literal reality of it always right but I'm going to shoot through a different lens metaphorically but could the same thing be said of her work in the sense that you know, how many pictures have there been in the last 150 years of people affected by war? Right. And that hasn't changed war either. Right, right, right. So, no, and I'm not saying that it does art have any effect at all. You know, I think it does. I, I think that it has to, it has to, you hope that it does. You yeah, have faith that it does. Better. That's probably better. You have faith that it does. 
I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, you know what I mean? I want to believe what you are saying, mm-hmm. but I also am a little cynical about it. Yes. Uh, re- regardless, her, her Lovely photographs work. are really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and this, this type of work, I think doesn't get the accolade or at least the attention that it deserves. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, she won Pulitzer prize in 2005 for coverage of the Iraq war. Uh, that same year she was awarded the international women's media foundation, courage and journalism prize. Yep. And was just, just killed April 4th. Uh, she was uh, in a convoy of independent uh, of journalists, uh, part of an independent election commission convoy delivering ballots under the protection of the Afghan national army and Afghan police. While the two were waiting in the car, an Afghan police unit commander named Nakibullah uh, came up to their car, opened fire, yelling, Allah Akbar. God is great. Um, shooting the two women in the back seat. After the attack, the officer surrendered and was taken into custody. So he was a policeman who came and shot them. Cause you know what? God is great. <laughs> Okay. Um, that's a different discussion. Yes. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's just very upsetting. And, you know, it goes to show you like how quickly things can turn, you know? I mean, obviously yes. these people are, she's putting her, herself in, uh, uh, she's putting herself in a situation where there's a higher chance of terrible things happening, of course. Um, but wow. Yeah. I, I don't I, have I, the drive to be part of that, but it is amazing the people who do. I would very much like to to talk to photojournalists, uh, a photojournalist, some combat photojournalist, and 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 really talk about the sort of commitment to your craft, art, profession mm-hmm. that you have to have to put yourself in in that kind of harm's way to do your job. Yeah. Because you can't, that, that, that's a job that you can't do. You literally can't do it without putting yourself in danger. Well, it's like all those witness, is that what they were called? Witness? What was that HBO show? Is that the one we called, watched? Where all the, you know, the guy <coughs> down in Juarez and the guy in Egypt and <coughs> Libya. Pardon me. You all right? <coughs> choking to death. <coughs> Are you really choking to death? <coughs> Excuse me. No, I just choked at my own spit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's staying in. Um, wait you want to call your nurse (laughs) no she's right here okay (laughs) just wipe his mouth sweetie um i hate you (laughs) but uh, it's yeah it's it's like um that that is that is getting close enough to the, the the craziness of the world closer than i need to be on a daily basis Right. Me being around all that would make me sad over time. It would make me even more cynical and cranky. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Where some people, I think, maybe feed off that some sort of, I'm just looking for that little kernel, that nugget of something inside of this, which makes me have faith in humanity. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then I read about how she dies, and I was just like, no, there's no humanity about this. You know what I mean? That's like where my mind goes. Right. Um, And it's it's the the way she, I mean... Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Uh, anyway, wonderful work. Go check it out. Yep. 
Uh, we're going to put Anja links in the show notes. Rittinghouse. And I think she's got a book. We'll put that link in the show notes too. Cause we, we put those links in the show notes, uh, with the, uh, links to Amazon with the OTP code. In it. So you guys buy the book. It helps, you know, support the show a little bit. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anything else you want to say? This is a long mm-hmm. show. Uh, it's a long show. Yeah. Almost sorry two hours. That. Is it? Oh, sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, podcast at on taking pictures.com. Yep. Bill tweets at Bill Wadman. I tweet Jeffrey Sidoris. Good. Uh, visit BillWadman.com. Visit FadedAndBlurred.com. Yep. Leave a review or a rating on iTunes. Yes. And Phone uh, number. Phone number. Phone number is area code 347-687-9411. 347-687-9411. And go join the group on Google+. Go join Plus. the group and, and bug Freddy to organize another hangout. There you go. We're actually doing one in a couple weeks in New York. Uh, yeah. No, no. I mean like a... Like oh, a just, no, but we're... IRL. Yeah, IRL. Yeah. I what what is that? In real life. Is that really a thing? Yeah. Okay. IRL. Uh yeah, so we're I think like ten people are coming or fifteen people are coming. So we're gonna see hopefully we can get a nice group together. Yeah, good. It's on a Monday good. afternoon though, because you know these guys are in drinking on Monday afternoons apparently. Uh yeah. I'm okay. gonna have I'm gonna have a good time down there. You should have a beer, you sissy. Yeah. Ugh. Don't even, I, you know, I tried a beer that, that, that Conrad was drinking that I was like, yeah, this doesn't really do anything for me. Uh, all right, so let's, uh, we, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Yep, see you next week. Thanks for listening. Say what you wanna say I know what you will say Will leave